This is the Growlers Nation podcast, the official podcast of the Newfoundland Growlers. And now here's your host, Growlers play-by-play voice, Chris Ballard. Hello, Growlers Nation, and welcome to the first episode of the Newfoundland Growlers podcast. I am Chris Ballard, play-by-play voice of the Newfoundland Growlers. I'm really excited to be expanding our uh, our offerings to you on the digital side uh, and engage you in podcast form. So moving forward from now into the regular season uh, at home, on the road, the plan is uh, to bring you all the best news, updates, analysis, behind-the-scenes stuff, everything you guys want to know about your Newfoundland Growlers. So that being said, uh, really quick, I'm just going to gloss over what we're going to do uh, format-wise, at least to start uh, the podcast. We certainly want your guys' input listening along, so if there's something you do want to hear uh, or see covered moving forward, uh, please make sure to connect with us via our social media channels. But for now, after my short intro, we can now click that one off the list, uh, we'll be joined uh, every week. I'd like to have a feature interview on here, uh, really giving you all of the inside scoop from within the ground organization we'll talk to players we'll talk to staff we'll try and get some special guests on here sharing all the stories that you really want to know that you might not get uh, by uh, sitting in the stands at mile one center or listening along at home uh, on Mixler watching on Rogers wherever you may be tuning in from so after our feature interview uh, we'll do some fan Q&A we've pulled some questions uh, for our inaugural podcast uh, from uh, a uh, Twitter poll uh, I did a little while ago, and then to end it all off, and this one I'm really excited about, we're going to do a, a feature uh, called Growlerville, and here, here's where I'm coming from with this. So the way I see it, this is a, a province team. We wear Newfoundland on the chest, not St. John's, and... Regardless of where you live across this great province of Newfoundland and Labrador, you could be in St. John's, Cornerbrook, Deer Lake, anywhere in between. We all live in Growlerville. We're all Growlers fans, united under the Growlers umbrella. And we're going to shed some light on some of these great hockey communities uh, throughout the province of Newfoundland and Labrador. Tell the stories about what makes these communities so great and uh, and great hockey communities. So we're really excited about that. So without further ado, after that uh, short and uh, halfway broken... Uh, introduction, I am pleased to introduce our first feature guest. Uh, he is the captain of your Newfoundland Growlers, fresh off of the uh, inaugural season championship Kelly Cup win. Still getting goosebumps every time I say that. Gold's native, number 43, James Melindy. James, thanks for joining me here today, my friend. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for uh, letting me be special enough to be the first guy on. <laughs> Numero uno, man. Well, we had to, had to do that. To, uh, how was your offseason? Short. Um, <laughs> it it was kind of a whirlwind after we won. It was uh, a lot of fun times had, and I think most of the guys stayed for just short of two weeks. Um, that long, eh? Yeah, so it, it was good. After that all kind of settled down and, and everybody uh, left, it kind of gave it a little bit more time to sink in of what we actually accomplished. I mean, you know, the, the days after and stuff, it's still didn't really sink in to how special of a moment it was and when did um, it sink in did you have that moment like I'm kind of wait like I'm cried in the shower a week ago when it all kind of hit me that was my moment did you have a moment I don't know if I've had a moment or if it's even really sunk in until we uh you know it, it ends up being opening night and you know the banner be, yeah. is going to be raised and stuff so it's still a little bit surreal I guess yeah, it, yeah. It, 
it's a lot of good memories. Uh, all the team pretty much stays in close contact throughout all the summer. We That's were great. extremely close, so we always check up on each other and see how For everybody's sure. summer's going. But yeah, I guess a couple weeks, and, and like I said, uh, when all the guys left, it, it kind of sank in a little bit, but still a pretty amazing feeling. Even, you know, going around town and people stopping you to say congratulations. I was going to say, I imagine you haven't had to buy a beer yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been it's been pretty good. Even, at, like, going in the grocery store and people will come up to you and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, uh, come down to a lot of the games. It's awesome what you guys did. It's, That's so cool, it's, eh? uh It's pretty special, yeah. It's, uh, it's a cool feeling, and it just shows, you know, how much this championship meant to the whole province. So, obviously, before we jump into talking about the upcoming season, which I know we're all pumped about, uh, I want to dive in a bit about the the season that was obviously the first uh, pro championship in Newfoundland history. I mean, come on, being the captain of this team, you're from here, getting to be the first one in this province's history to to help bring that home for the province. How cool is that for you? Amazing. Um, I know that's a hard question yeah, it, to answer it, it, too. It's like, oh man, yeah, I am this great ambassador now for Newfoundland. It's great. Of course, you're not going to think that, but I mean, has that kind of hit home what this really means for this province yet? It was, uh, I guess, first. When I heard that the team was going to be coming to Newfoundland, it was way back. it was uh, it was obviously something that you know caught my eye, and it was and something that I I really wanted to be a part of. You know, yeah, of course. Any chance you get to play uh, professional hockey at home, it's a uh, it's a super special feeling. So I didn't quite feel it when I was in the American Hockey League and the ice caps were here because I was still trying to get my feet wet right. and and you know see what pro hockey was all about so I, sure. I i didn't exactly want to play at home at that point in time yeah but then you know when the team left and you weren't able to come home at all it certainly made it a, a more unique and and intriguing place to to want to come back and play so it started you know with with our opening uh opening meetings and and chloe and and snowy kind of setting the tone on uh, I remember Pard said during the parade that was a terrifying meeting. Yeah, it was. It was intense. It was demanding on what he wanted out of each individual on the team, and and knowing that you weren't going to be given anything, no matter who you were, everything had to be earned. So there was a standard set that you needed to work, and if you worked, you were going to get rewarded. So we set a good culture, and obviously Chloe and Snowy and and the Toronto organization did a really good job of bringing Absolutely. the right people in. And, and it was a mix of things. Like we had speed, but we also had uh, a big decor. Sure. Two good goaltenders. And even if you look at the guys that came in uh, throughout the season, we went through quite a few players with call-ups and, and sure injuries. So no matter who came in, they all bought did, in, bought in and, and did extremely well. And I think it all has to do with how close we were as a group and how demanding we were of each other that we didn't want to let the person across from me. I know it sounds like a cliche thing, no, but, but, it, but it was, we were that tight of a group. Cliches are cliches because they hold some truth. Here. Yeah. So it, it was like, nobody wanted to let down their buddy. So that part was, was huge to, to build and, and bring success to our group. And, you know, our, our, our season as a whole went, went along with you know at the start of the year we'd win a game and then we'd lose a game and then we'd win a game and we'd lose a game we really couldn't yeah stretch together games and then when we did start to figure Eight it out roll. and I, I and i think it was with a new team nobody knew anybody besides i guess 
the local guys that right. we knew each other. Well, all the Toronto guys had all been to development camp, Marley's camp, probably rookie camp for some of them, and then down. So there's a handful of guys who would have played together played a fair together. bit, right? Um, but it, it was a little bit of a different thing in sure. which you're not taken from a group that's already established right. themselves okay, and, yeah, yeah. And, and returning players and that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, you're thing. building from scratch one way or the other. Here. So if you and you look at the building of our team, we had the majority of our team was first year players. So yeah. there was a lot to learn. It's not junior anymore. It's not college hockey. It's an extended schedule with a lot of travel. And <laughs> if if anybody had tough travel, it was us this year. So that's correct. Um, you know, it, it it was a bit of a learning curve, but once we hit our stride, we like you said that eight game. Winning streak uh, winning right streak. after that win one, lose one. So so that helped, and, and then it brought confidence. And, you know, after that, there wasn't too many lulls in our season besides, I guess, when we, we finally clinched and we didn't end the season the way we wanted to. But at the end of the day, we, we went in the playoffs and we had our mindset on that so goal and just kind of kept our foot on the pedal from there. So I'll ask you this. All that, was there a point at which – I feel like, I, I mean, I've been around the game long enough to, there's that kind of galvanizing moment or that point where you say, man, I really think we can do this. I think we can go all the way. Obviously with the group that we had right from training camp at the Glacier this time last year, you knew it was, I felt like this group was going to be pretty special. Was there a moment at anywhere along there where you said, you look around the room and say, we have a group that can do this? Yeah, I, I think it, around... I knew we were going to have a good team from the start of the year just because of how much help we were going to get from sure. Toronto. Did I know it was going to work as well as it did? Nobody. No, because when you do have so much star power and the guys that are used to playing big minutes, you don't know how they're going to handle mm-hmm. being put in different situations. But good point. like you said, if you put the right group of people together with the right mindset and willingness to do whatever mm-hmm. it takes to win, guys are willing to take – uh, a third line role instead of a, a first line role. Sure. Now, mind you, our first line to our second to our third were pretty interchangeable. Interchangeable, exactly. It, it w- our lines weren't really anything from one to three because all of them were extremely good and probably would have been first lines on absolutely on any other team. So it's uh, like I said, it's tough. You don't really know what to expect with with a lot of new guys coming in and a lot of talent. So we. Uh, we found a way to, to figure things out, and at the end of the day, when you all buy in and you have a good game plan in, in mind, it's uh, it's success breeds from it. And exactly. it's, it's the coaching staff, too. Like Very they, good point. We, we had a plan from the start of the year. It didn't sway at all. It was all the same, no matter when it was Chloe was the head coach and then when he had to step down and, and Snowy stepped up as our, as our head coach. Nothing wavered. There Nothing was changed. no... Uh, lull or thinking, oh, just because Chloe's gone, uh, the same expectations weren't going to be sure. met. It was Snowy held us to that same high standard. And, um, you know, when you have that and practices as, as ten, intense as we had, it was oh, yeah. throughout the year, it's, you know, you sometimes you there's practices where they're off and guys are feeling or it's been a long day of travel, but no matter when we were on the ice, we we came there to work. And, Absolutely. And when it was uh, time to get things done, we got it done. Um, 
so yeah, through through the middle of the season, it 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 kind of felt like, hey, we got something special here. Yeah, you know, we can really take advantage of it. And I know for myself, the year that I went to the finals with Wheeling, it was right. It was kind of same like a similar feeling where it was like no matter what the game was you never feel out of it no matter if you're down four goals it was like oh okay well we're gonna come back like you guys you had a great team that year too so it it was one of those things where it's like you you never feel worried on the ice that you're gonna lose games there's that confidence there's that swagger and, and we had it and i think a lot of it too that pushed us maybe above the other teams in the league was everybody brought their best for us. Yeah, no, that's an there absolute. Was, there was there was nobody that gave us an off night. Like we had a lot of hard games. If you look at the real changing point in the season, I that's think it I was. Want. It would have been like that Fort Wayne three. That's and what three I was going to say. You're stealing my answer. Yeah, my, it's, first three and three all year. This is like the second week of February. I remember the weather that week was awful. It, which is it does impact it impacts me anyway, mm-hmm. and I remember it w- was it the first game of that series the Growlers won in a shootout. Uh, there was a two, shootout, an overtime loss, and, and then, then a, Sunday at two p.m. or four then, p.m. or whatever it was, and that was an overtime win, correct? one nothing. Yes, so that that was kind of that's a gutsy weekend. Against a, a hard veteran team, the that only all, Western Conference team we had faced all season. And and they are they always have good teams. Always. They always have big tough teams. So it was like veteran teams in the Eastern Conference and in our division especially. We all the teams are kind of built similar. And then you get an older squad come in like Fort Wayne that plays hard and they're playing tough and they're finishing their hits. So they give you a different aspect. And when I seen that you know we were going to have success and and guys didn't back off or anything, they brought their physical game up a little bit more. I knew that. No matter who we face, we wouldn't have any trouble uh, adjusting. I hear you. Even looking through the schedule, and it's easy to do that now in the rearview mirror, but I don't know that the Growlers had lost four out of a seven-game segment all year. So I remember me going into the playoffs. I'm the one kind of getting the fans hype from, you know, doing what I do, and I almost didn't want to say that because this team looked really good heading into the postseason. Yeah, yeah. it was... Uh, I mean, like that little blip at the end notwithstanding. Yeah, and we had some injuries and stuff like that at the end of the season where some guys sat out and stuff, but I'm not using that as an excuse no, at all. No. We, once playoffs hit, and then it kind of sank in where Snowy was punching home of, you know, Newfoundland as a province um, has never won a major championship in professional sports. That's so right. we have a chance to do something special. There was a pump-up video that I think Paul Dagg, our video coach, made up himself. And I know for me, being here and seeing the video and the different clips of like um, the landscape here and older clips from you know games at the old Memorial Stadium, and it, it was one of those things video, that that it, it gives you it gives you cold shivers. I mean, like for me growing up. You know, watching games at the Mall One, at the Old Memorial Stadium, yeah. for a chance to come back and play here as, as my home stadium was really cool. And I think, yeah, that video was something that I think really amped the boys up. No and kidding. We knew that we were going to have a tough opponent in, in Brampton in the first round, but th- they matched up really well with us. They had good goaltending and stuff, but we just always found a way to find another gear and find a way to win games. And at 
that point in the season that's all that matters is is not always you know how you win but just getting that W. You getting know? it done. So let's go through really quickly, more for my sake than anything else. I want to go through each round of the playoffs and kind of just pull your your thoughts about each of the opponents, and then we'll we'll roll into the finals before we move on to the next topics. Uh, Brampton series, three nothing series lead, double overtime goal for Obi, first one in Brampton. Everything looked good. Then they low key stomped us for two games. Jardine ends it. 10 seconds into game six. Sum, sum it up from, from your perspective. Was Brampton the Growler's toughest opponent in the playoffs? Maybe the finals notwithstanding. First three rounds, my money, that was, they were, that was a tough series. Yeah, I and, and not to take anything from no, away from the other teams that we played, Certainly but I not. think that Brampton gave us the hardest test because yeah, they were did. physical, they were kind of a little bit greasy, their goaltending was outstanding, and if, if and I mean, at the end of the day, it was it really was a goalie battle because Gartz was playing unbelievable, 100%. and Marcou was we were having a tough time to beat. So it was a battle literally from game one to game yeah. six, and it wasn't like the games could have went either way. Absolutely, and I've I've said this to to many people. I think if Brampton had to get past us, they, they potentially had a, nice had a, a chance to win win the cup i think they 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 could have done it i agree just because of the way their team was built and uh just older veteran guys there with good goaltending and they gave us pretty much all we could handle for a lot of it but at the same time there was never a point in time where we thought oh here we go like we're we're deep into it there was always a confidence no matter what series it was whenever we lost right. we didn't we didn't want to lose one game let alone I think a couple. that was the only time the Growlers lost back-to-back all playoffs? Yeah, it might have been. So, I mean, um, there was never any panic that ever yeah. came into the room at all, and we just stuck with our plan, and it got us through that, that first series. Going to overtime in game six, what was going through your mind? Uh, for me, uh, a lot, because obviously with the, the hit that – that's right. Ellie and Elinuk took a high hit from um, Racine, five-minute major to lead off overtime, right? Yeah, so it was one of those things you, you never, no matter if it's your team or anybody else's or the opposition, you never want to see anybody go down and get hurt. Of course. But for that to happen at that point in time, we wanted to make them pay. Yeah. Like if they're going to do something that, that, was we, kind of the, that the, we considered to be a stupid play that didn't need to be made at all, made at all we wanted to make them pay. So in the dressing room, we knew, we knew that with our power play, five minutes, yeah. we were going to have – We're going to get some looks we're here. We're going to get some some good looks. And, you know, it it wasn't too long into it. And under a minute. Under 20, a minute, yeah. Under 30 seconds maybe. And and Jards, it was funny. He like I even if, if he talked about it, he was like, "I wasn't even shooting the score, but it ended up." And Marcou had and been so good. So good. That one, I'm not going to say it was a weak goal, but like I'm sure he's having nightmares about it a little. But bit. he, I mean, I guess when you get so many good looks that get saved, sometimes it's, that, sometimes that's the way that's it works. Gets, it's yeah. just like one of these that's weird, hockey, weird shots that. It was a Nobody, good shot. It was snuck it inside the the far post. Yeah, low. It's low. it's it's not an easy shot to stop. But no. still. But it was just like <laughs> the the opportunities that we were getting beforehand to not score on, and then yeah. to get something like that from Jards, who wasn't. 
an extremely big goal scorer. He, that was he his would, only goal as a growler. He would he put up good points course, while he was yeah. there because he's a very good, good dish man. Good dish and can see the ice really well. But that was huge for us. I mean, like when you get a chance to, I mean, obviously winning a um, series in overtime. Winning a series in overtime at home under the circumstances that it was, we we felt we really wanted to make this guy pay for what he did. So I think it'll be a. Uh, it was a long summer for him, for sure. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Manchester series. The only series in which the Growlers trailed at any point. We lost game one and then played in a real funky, weird barn in their last game in Manchester. Basically, twin rinks finished it off again in six. What do you, what do you take away from, from Manch? Everybody was kind of surprised because if you look throughout the whole league and the matchups and everything, like we figured that we would be facing Adirondack at some point in time, and we didn't have a whole lot of success against them. The only team I think the Growlers played all last season against whom the Growlers have a losing record. Even if we did have to play them, I think we still we were would. Ready we, were, we were ready for them, and uh, you know, playoff breeds a whole different type of hockey. But um, when we see Manchester went through and we had a lot of success against them, we were – you know, we were excited. You're going we to feel like, good. We're feeling good. You know, we're going into Manchester, and we get down. We started, would have been here. Yeah, here. And they had a lot of guys sent down. Like, they had a good team. Yeah, it was they did. fast. Good goaltending, um, Charles Williams. Yeah, good goaltending. So, it, it was, I wouldn't say any of our series were easy by no, any means, no, no. but we just, we matched up extremely yes, well with yes. the way they played. I think the Growlers were like 11-0-1 against Manch in the regular season. And yeah, our, you're going to feel pretty good. And our power play, I think that was series was pretty on fire. on fire. So anytime when your special teams are good, you usually have a pretty good chance of coming out on yeah, top. The correlation of success and good special teams, there is a positive correlation. Yeah. So, no, it was, it was a good series. It was fast. Maybe a little bit different than our first series where it was sure more... It was. They played a little bit more of a structured game compared to Brampton's kind of run and gun, exactly. Kind of unorthodox with their systems and stuff like that. A little more predictable, maybe out of Manchester. Yeah, but it 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 kind of fed into our game as well. True. So yeah, it was it was another tough series. I mean, we went like you said, we played that game in Exeter, and it's. Yeah, talk about that. That was so for I mean obviously I can only assume a lot of our fans have never been to Exeter, New Hampshire. It's it's a nice community facility. I think there's a couple of sheets of ice, but they had monster trucks or something in their original building at SNHU Arena, so they had to scramble last minute to find a location to play. It wasn't a bad facility as a community facility, but as a professional arena, like my broadcast booth, I was in like this loft yeah. that had a bunch of like boxes of t-shirts and stuff in it like i had to go up a scissor lift to get to my <laughs> booth like and I'm, I'm not supposed to be in scissor lifts if you've ever seen me i'm very top heavy so yeah like it was it threw me for a bit of a loop just how i go about my preparation i can only imagine it had to have been something similar for you guys right? yeah i mean the preparation of it all it changes it i mean just the feeling of everything like you're you're coming up that there's stands on one side it was cold in there cold as hell you can't do your pregame warm-up inside because there wasn't any space there was fans everywhere fans were heckling all over the place like they were in our kitchen like our dressing room was literally <laughs> in between periods they could walk right right through basically knock on the door knock right? on the door so it was 
a tough game to get up for. They got a lucky bounce. Yeah, I remember that. For one of the goals. Was that the overtime goal yeah. that they scored yeah. on? So it was just like unfortunate, but it just seemed like it was kind of like a circus of a day where it was you're playing at a practice rink, you get a, they get a funny bounce where they end up, you know, yeah. putting it in and, and winning it. And they felt like they had the most confidence in the world. But at the same time, we're going, well, we're going home now. Yeah. We don't lose at home. And it was one of those things, you know, like they were doing a lot of hoot and holler in that center ice after they won, like they won the, the cup right away. And I remember that. I think that stuck with a lot of guys in our dressing room where it was like, okay, they think that they're going to go and embarrass us and, and kind of and, and do that kind of stuff where it was guys had a little bit more bite in their step when we, when we got back home. And another memory that r- sticks out to me about that series before we move on to the Florida Conference Final was <clears throat> I think it was game two here at home. And the game-winning goal ended up with 90 seconds or – 89 seconds left, that set play off the draw. Fergie back to O'Brien. Without even, If you blinked, you'd missed it. Top cheese, growlers win. That was the game winner. Do, what do you remember of that? Were you on the ice? Were you on the bench? Do you remember much about it at all? Does that memory even stick out to you? Because with me, I thought that was one of the – that set play works one in a thousand times. Right off the draw, bang. And it happened at a big moment. Local guy, I remember that – me and Brian Rogers freaking out in the booth over that one. What do you remember about that? Yeah, one? I mean, it it was quick. Like, you're on the bench, and it was literally bang, bang, back of the net. Yeah. So, uh, like you said, you try it a ton of times. The chances of it working, it happens every now and then. But for it to happen literally that perfect, it was like right on the tape. Oh, we didn't waste any time. Just Puck wasn't on his stick for a split second. Gone. And he just hammered it, and next thing you know, you just see him with so much emotion in him, flying down the ice, uh, so excited. And we were also jacked up, too, because it was, like you said, it was a huge goal. And Lost uh, game one. Yeah, so it was, like you said. It's, Turning point, maybe? It, it definitely could have been. And then if you look at some of the other series, we ended up scoring – a lot of goals like that. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> a lot of the skill, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was definitely one of one of the bigger goals in, in our playoff run. And it just goes to show it's not always about it, – it wasn't – sometimes it don't need to be the hardest shot. It's just how quick you get it off. Luckily, it was both. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely <laughs> Luckily it was. it was both. But the majority of the time for it to happen that perfect, it, it, it very rarely Yeah, very like rarely that. you could do that – even on the plays on which you score, it's never as pretty as what Zach did there. Yeah. That was everything worked together. That was I, certainly one uh, that's going to stick with me for a while. Uh, conference final, Florida Everblades. That one, that was, if you had asked me, was there a surprise along the way, I would say maybe the Everblades series, only because defending Eastern Conference champs, you know, defending coach of the year, really skilled team, first in the Eastern Conference. They were obviously built for this situation. Five games, a couple of blowouts in favor of the Growlers, mucking it up both ends of the ice. Like I, I expected more of a skill game. Maybe I was ignorant to the pieces at play in front of me. But it, what do you make it? What do you make of that series in the rearview mirror? Um, looking back at it, it was, you know, if you're in the Eastern Conference, all you hear about is Ford Everblades, Ford Everblades, yeah. Ford yeah. Everblades, and how they're this unstoppable team that. You know, it's just rolling through everybody. They're scoring a ton of goals. Like, 
all this, and, and we were confident. We knew, like, that their team was built to win in the playoffs. Exactly. And they they get players down there, for one, because they win. They get a lot of call-ups. Yeah. Um, also from, from AHL. Florida factor, yeah. too, surely. And, and the, yeah, the final factor would be you're in Florida, you're in the heat. So they attract good players. Yeah. Um. So when we went to play them, we knew that they were going to be different. They were going to be more physical. They were going to be a little bit stronger on the puck compared to the teams that we played in our division. And I, the first game I remember coming out, and we were in Florida, so it was we didn't have home ice advantage. First and only series. And we kind of laughed about it because we we went to Florida, and uh, Snowy was real worried about the boys going out and sure uh enjoying the sun and absolutely and and for us in newfoundland we had a tough winter so yeah. everybody's like we're going to Let's the sun go. like this is going to be nice well the day that we got in we had that big downpour rainstorm i remember so I'm walking sure, I'm to sh- dinner yeah. and just getting absolutely drenched drenched so i'm sure snowy was sitting in his room just laughing away going this couldn't <laughs> have been this couldn't happen any better like nobody can go do anything they have That's to stay hilarious. in their rooms so I remember even like like you said the the setup for the hotel and the restaurants was super close. Oh yeah. And what would have been a two minute walk, we all had to order Ubers because we didn't want to get soaking wet. And I still got wet leaving from the the car to get to the front oh, yeah. entrance of the building. It was it was rain like I've never ever seen before. So we went down and it, it was that first game. They came out so hard, so Why? hot off the start, flying. And we just kind of, I, I wouldn't say we stepped back, but we just weathered Weathered it, yeah. And it was like, weathered it, weathered it, and then we scored our first goal, and then I think we won. Empty it was netter, 2-0, two, two nothing. Two nothing. So it was it was like, okay. Yeah, they you shut them out in their building, the reigning Eastern Conference champs. Yeah. Like yeah. That was, that was a big deal. And then on the, in game two, I felt like they picked it up a little bit, maybe physically. Yeah. And, and we did it again. And we did it again. So... And then it, it, it got into a little bit of a... That's when it got it, heated. It got heated. and I mean, I'm not the... <laughs> I love how calculated yeah, you're trying to I'm, be I'm right I'm trying now. to make this sound. I'm not the poster program. boy of... Um, grade A top Grade behavior. A, like, sportsman hockey by any means. But I know that, like, there's some stuff that you just don't do. And I think the way that... They handled it. It worked out completely opposite of the way they wanted to. I agree. To because we just let them do it. But I don't know, like. <laughs> I get it. I get. I get. I know what you're trying a, to say. If if the the shoe was on the other foot and it was me going around doing some of the stuff that that team was doing, I would be suspended for life. <laughs> you, and, you might be right. And you know they they thought their game plan was to go after our goalie and. We just kind of laughed and we're like, okay, you guys Go aren't worried it. about playing hockey anymore. We're still going to score goals on you guys. Like, I think, yeah, game two when it all got – it was 5-1, I think, at the end of the day. Yeah, so, like, it's uh, it was one of those things where it was – You give us an inch, not, we'll take that, a mile Yeah, but that's here. Uh, that's just not the way the game is played. Like, for, you know, to, to go down and intentionally try to – Run a goalie. Run a goalie, which – they don't have any. What are, what are they gonna do? You know, they got all this gear on, and they're supposed to be stopping pucks. They're not ever yeah. getting hit at all, right? 
and to, to come in and, and run but the Gert's goalie. But Gert's got a, a little hot headed in the moment, though. Maybe they thought they were. Maybe they saw something there that they were. I don't know. Were they trying to get under his skin? I guess. I remember there was one point. I might be thinking of a different scrum, but he he might have been throwing some some blockers in there. Well, I mean, if I was him, I would have too. Well, if fair they, enough. You if, take if, a if, beating if, if you. You know, really you, you're, human. you're exp- as a goaltender, you're expecting the referees to protect you, and if that doesn't happen, um, well, you're kind of you, you kind of just try to take it upon yourself, <laughs> or hopefully that somebody on your team is going to stick up for you. But I think the biggest thing with Florida was they just got so worked up about trying to get Gertz off his game, and that and just they allowed stopped. you guys to just we go just, and play your game, and we would just go to the power play, go to the power play, go to the power play. So they're putting. You know, if you look at both of our power play units, yeah, they're both killer power oh, plays. Oh, incredible! Like, and with the skill skill sets and the you know the passing ability and the shooting and like the different players that we had on there, it was just like you're setting yourself up for a disaster if you want to put us on the power play all the time. And they were just yeah, like I said, so worried about getting our goalie off his game, that they just stopped playing hockey and we took advantage of it. And that had the opposite effect. Gartz had three shutouts that series? Yeah. And I, it just fueled him. It to, fueled him. Like, it, he, yeah, he the was ready to The exact opposite play. effect in every possible way. And that I'll, game plan did not work. And I'll say it, like, as big and physical as what everybody made him up to be, that was our easiest series. Wild. And everybody was, oh yeah, this big bag of Florida team is—they're going to be all you can handle. And you know what? Like I figured at the start of the se- like series, it was me and you had a chat. And yeah, we like, did. Yeah, yeah. It's going to go. Yeah. A lo- it's it's going to be gonna a be long war. series. It's... Like it's going to be tough. And we came out of it being like, huh. Well. So what did that do then going into the finals? Like, you... well, it was just like confidence because yeah. you know we we went through. Brampton and and that was bit of a, a, a war own, and it right? was just like everything was crazy to you know you're the Eastern Conference Finals and you get a I guess like a little bit of easier of a of a series yeah and, um, you're going into the finals full of confidence and we didn't know who we were going to get because That's we right. finished a little bit before Early. they went to Game Seven, seven. Tulsa and Toledo Tulsa and Toledo and uh, we knew whatever team we were going to get, it was it was going to be tough. And then Toledo won, and we ended up facing them in the finals. And for guys that haven't played there before, it is a crazy atmosphere. It's nuts, hey? I know every rank, you know, oh, everyone's going to say their fans are the loudest. They're, I will give Toledo and its fans full credit. That Barton, They set attendance records in the three each of the three games that they played there. 8,500, 87, and then 88 or something. Unprecedented in the ECHL, and do you think that that affected guys rolling into Toledo? Hey, we're up two nothing in the series. All of a sudden, you're in this NHL atmosphere. Almost, it's it. It was overwhelming for me in the booth. What did you yeah, feel it, on the like, ice? To be honest, it's like it even gives you cold shivers just talking about yeah. it because it it was so crazy. And you try to explain it to guys like this is we're not used to. Yeah, this. like you don't understand. Like even junior, like there's not many buildings even. In the AHL, yeah, not every fan base is going to be as passionate as, as and buying and, in as, as what they were. And you can tell, like when Toledo got on the ice, Woof. they were they were they at were home there. and they fed off that energy. And like whenever they would score the goal and the the horn would go off and the glass would be shaking, and they it's throw a, the thing the, on the ice, yeah, the, the walleye out on the ice, and it's 
it's intimidating. It a I lot. mean, like it's it's loud. You can't think. Uh, and their fans even, know the game too. I know, like yeah. they were chirping and, and pointing with all kinds of fingers. Yeah, <laughs> I got a couple of the chosen ones, but uh, <laughs> that kind of happens everywhere for me. Um, Fair enough. But no, it was really cool to be able to play there in the finals. It was unique uh, in regards to the fan base that they have and how much they love the walleye and and just how different it was. Even on the ice, like talking on the ice usually is a little bit easier, but you couldn't hear a thing. Like yeah. To go over plays or like listen to the, you know, when there's timeouts, you can't hear anything. So a lot of little things that really take that, you out of your element, I guess. Yeah, it's it's the communication factor is almost taken out of it. So you gotta you know go off of you know your tendencies and stuff that has uh, has worked for us all season and and our systems to knowing where guys are going to be rather than than hearing voices because you literally couldn't hear anything. And Toledo, I mean, they were they were full extre- marks, e- extremely good team, Very like good. and they have been for a long time. I my first I first started calling games in this league in 2015-16. If you had asked me, "Hey Chris, who's like historically probably been one of the better if not the best team in the league since you've been there it wouldn't have to rack my brain too hard to tell you it's probably toledo cream of the league yeah for a long time Uh uh-huh yeah exactly and the detroit organization helped them as well like similar very similar and they ran into to some injuries and and stuff like that they were a little bit banged up but no different stage of the game who's not right when you come down to the finals everybody's playing with bumps and bruises and you're just hoping that you can stay as healthy as possible and yeah when we got down there and we had a chance to to close it out and didn't get it done obviously it was it was tough oh yeah um it was one of those games where you know you're the hardest thing to do is is the end of uh, team season, and in the finals, it's even harder. Oh, it's the so. hardest possible. But that all led to one of my favorite moments of the whole season is getting off the airplane back home after having been to Toledo. We know all the road trips are done for the year. Whatever happens now, it's happening at home. And coming down the escalator at St. John's International, it, it was I think it was our standard flight getting in. We didn't get in until two or three in the morning, and there was what. A, couple hundred people at the airport noisemakers jerseys the whole nine yards what 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 what's your memory of that i remember i think it was you first off one of the first off the plane reeling the boys in so that they would all walk down together which i was like man i never thought of this but like knowing that so many fans were going to be in the airport the support was obviously there obviously we want to go down in a uniform fashion what what do you remember about that moment because that was one of the coolest ones for me yeah i mean it it just goes to show how passionate the people of newfoundland are about, about hockey and that we have you know our, our city and our province uh, behind us uh, throughout, you know, the playoffs and the season and even more so coming back with a chance to, to finish the job and to have so many people on opportune time to come out uh, late night to meet us at the airport just to show their support. Yeah. It was cool. And, I mean, f- for us as hockey players, you don't notice it as much, but it's something as little as, you know, a fist pump of the fan. It, it can it's huge. It can, it can change, like yeah, it can th- the way they feel or anything like that. And I'm sure there's a lot of younger kids there that'll remember that for the rest of their life. That they were at the airport and gave knuckles to the growlers as they came home, and 
no, it was it was special, and it, it kind of drives you that you know you're getting this much support when you haven't really even accomplished anything. You, anything, <laughs> you know, like if if we don't win in the finals, well, you're just another team that went to the finals and didn't get it done, you know. Yeah. So it was cool to see that, and then obviously Game co- six coming home and. People, the amount of I had to turn off my phone because I was everybody say, was looking for tickets. It's almost a distraction. It is. I, 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 my buddies and family and stuff like that. I, I took care of the people that were your inner circle that were always here during from the start of the season Absolutely. to the end. And and as much as I could, of course, outside of that. And I, I pretty much just told my mom, "Hey, listen, this is how many tickets I get, you sort it out because <laughs> I don't want anything to do with it." So I just kind of like turned off my phone because I didn't want to have to be dealing with like people texting me, hey, can you get me tickets? Can you do yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. Can you get me that? You got a like, job to do here, right? You know, so I, I wanted to be kind of focused in. And yeah, just the, it was it was just a, such a different feeling. Like even in regards to getting out of your vehicle to walk to the rink, like you're Someone's even like to, even, even talking about it, it just like gives you cold shivers because it was such a different feeling like before the game. Like there was, was so extra. much, there's so much confidence for us that we knew we were like there. There's no chance this is going to Game Seven. There is zero chance. Like it ends tonight. This is it. That's crazy. And it was just like even before the game, it was like nobody really said a whole lot. Everybody just kind of knew what needed to be done. And no, I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, then and you, this is movie level stuff. Yeah, and then you get out on the ice, and the place is it's just jammed. absolutely going crazy. Like it was, I, I'm sure the craziest the mall one has ever seen. And you know, like the anthems go through, and then they sing the old to Newfoundland, and it was. Uh, for me, it was almost like I almost cried on the bench. I'm like, this is insane. Like the crowd is going. Bonkers. absolutely wild <laughs> it was yeah it was crazy and then you go through the game and we get that first goal from brad's and the place just erupted erupted that was yeah. late in the first two i think you got just deep enough into the game to let the fans get a little anxious yeah so it, and it was like boom he scored so it was there's that little bit of relief where it's like you get the first one is okay you can Everybody yeah. takes a, a bit of a deeper breath. Nobody's hanging on to their sticks as yeah, tight. Yeah, you got the first one. Right? Like, nobody in, – in those big games, nobody wants to make mistakes. Oh, for sure. Which, it, it's tough. It's, it's not gotta really – It's got to be hard to open up a bit because it's not, you're just squeezing so tight, eh? Yeah, it's not really the way that you, you want to play, but you can't control it. Like, it's it's such an important Emotion. game and emotions are running so high that you just can't can't help yourself. And then I think who, who it, scored Cass, I think, got – Oh, he, Hut, was it Hudson got? No, he was the one who was probably interfering with the goal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I remember Cass. It was kind of a scrum in front. Yes, he yeah. kind of pulled it, pulled it, tucked yeah. it, kind of threw. I don't know how it went in even still. And I've watched the mm-hmm. highlights only two thousand times. Yep. Uh, yeah, two nothing, and that happened like bang, bang. two minutes into the second. So yeah. then you, that's exactly the start. I assume you were trying to hope for. Yeah. All year, I know the message has been get off to a good start, get your legs going early. You're in the second period of what could be and what ended up being the last game of the year. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're like, let's go get that now, next one now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
and then it just kind of it all kind of picked up from there. Like you could see our momentum was starting to go a little bit more. But they scored like a minute later, though. Yeah, Tansy, I remember Tansy, that fake, fake from shot, the top. Yeah, and then, you remember. And then score, but well, it was still like our intensity was still up. It was still going. It was still going. Then it was the Geo Show. Yeah, and then, <laughs> two and of the then nicest G- goals he scored all year. And it was it was one of those things that we had so many guys that were that could have clutch, been anybody clutch players. Yeah. You know what I mean? That when we needed big time goals, we had so many guys that could bring that for us. Yeah, it was honestly like. Uh, uh, you can't really describe it. It was, it was amazing. And then you know they start to put a little bit of pressure on, and then it was like boom, they scored one, and then boom, they scored another one. So then it's like you're. I'm sweating buckets in the booth. I I can barely stay. Conscious. So no matter what, you're still confident. We're like we can still do it. You don't want to put too much pressure on yourself. Or like we're still in the driver's seat here. But it's still you're you're going well, huh? <sighs> You know, it gives them a shot of life. So it was, yeah, it was crazy. And then at the end, they they put the push on, and the puck went out to the point, and Obi ended up. Yeah, with a big, huge block. A huge block. And I think, honestly, he had a a big block, and then did it come back around, and the puck went out to the point? He had two blocks, I think it was. Because I remember there was, it was the last play, there was 18 seconds left, and the faceoff ended up back at center ice. You remember that? Because everyone lost sight of the puck. puck, It ended up getting iced, and nobody knew it. Yeah. Anyway, faceoff ended up back at center ice, which I thought was actually a bit of a break. And I remember they they rimmed it in, only because, I've again, I've watched the highlights. It's like my job to do that. And I remember it came out out the side. It was register at the point. Two, yeah, two I remember time defending champ here in this three time defending. He won. Yeah, he has three. He's been. That's nuts. He's the winningest ECHLer. He, he he's yeah. a legend at this level for yeah. for winning championships. And, and I remember, yeah, the puck came out around, and I thought that no, yeah, Obi, yeah, just lay down and he- wore it because I was behind the net. So the puck hopped over my stick. Puck came out. Register let one fly Obi absolutely hammered it like took the shot and then the puck came back out around and at this point I your I gloves turned, are already my gloves off. Are off I didn't know <laughs> and and I'm looking at Garts and he's still like at the top of his crease ready for a save and he made a last save now the time expired and stuff but I looked at him and we joked about it after I said <laughs> What were you doing? He was like, well, the, there was still time on the clock. Like, you had your gloves off, and there was still a shot on net. So, no um, way. Then it, it it was just pure emotion. Like, you battle so long for a long season with, you know, your brothers. And yeah. it, it was a long year in regards to travel and the amount of times you got delayed and stuck in Toronto sure. and had to drive to Buffalo and – you know, go I back. never had to do that. I think that was only <laughs> that was only once, right? And then, like showing up the one trip when we went down south and we got in at four o'clock in the morning yeah. to the hotel and had to play. Um, that was South Carolina, wasn't it? It was Atlanta first, and then right. we played Atlanta, and then we got in. Same thing. It was late to South Carolina, and Atlanta was on a heater too. Yeah, they had won fourteen in a row or something silly. Yeah. We and we ended up seven absolutely spanking them. Um, but, yeah, Weird through, you through, throughout the season, it was a lot of stuff that we dealt with. And, you know, it, throughout the season, it's not everything is going to go your way. But it's if you have 
if if it's out of your control, it's out of your control. Like for us, it's once we get on the ice, you play hockey, and that's our job. Everything else is you. We can't do anything else about it. So when you have a good group of guys that kind of just laugh things off, it you know when you're you're hugging each other at the end, it all makes it worth it for Hell you know yeah, man. Um, going to battle all year and then I uh, like even thinking about it now the last 10 seconds of the game like you couldn't hear anything yeah. it was just madness but it was that loud it almost sounded quiet it was weird it was super I, weird i like, know what you was, mean though and everybody was up on their feet and it was it was just such an amazing moment for all the people in newfoundland for our team for our families you know old coaches everybody that got you to this point it it's beneficial for them too like they see a lot of joy and seeing you succeed if they've helped you along the way. So it was uh it was cool and then obviously for myself being from here it yeah. was it was amazing to have family my grandparents were there and That's awesome. my parents and um having them come down on the ice after and, and share moments like that. It's uh something that I'll remember forever. As much as I hate to end this conversation and continue to, to share memories uh, here with you, we will move on uh, to the next uh, segment here of the podcast, uh, a little fan Q&A. So not too long ago, I, I uh, put a call out on my own Twitter feed to let the fans know uh, that we would be launching a podcast and to send in any questions or ideas for questions, and uh, we'll do our best to uh, have uh, our guest answer them. So James is still here, so we'll roll into, I got three that I've pulled here, and uh, a couple of them are leading questions James and we'll uh, I'll get to that Aiden Foley on Twitter asked us to talk about some funny pranks that happened or if you have any funny road trip stories so I'm I'm gonna poke you and lead you in a specific direction here funny road trip stories one that jumps out to me is uh in the hotel in Adirondack I understand you weren't uh, the biggest fan of uh, perhaps the the paranormal entities in this hotel what what uh, I know we haven't talked about it since uh what what happened in Adirondack, James? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sure all the boys that hear this will all get a good chuckle. Nobody believes me except for I believe you, James. Steph LeBlanc. He was my roommate. Yeah, so we were in Adirondack, and the hotel that we were staying at, I've stayed at before, but I didn't really know a whole lot about it. We right. always knew that it was kind of haunted and whatnot, but um, or at least assumed. Or so. assumed, like you heard stories and stuff, but. Uh, we got in, and I guess the first thing we were we were watching TV, and we turned off the TV, and both of us rolled over. So the beds we were both, I would have been looking one way, and Steph would have been. Or looking you turn away way. from yeah, each turn other. away from each other. So we would have been back to back, and we've been talking about how you know like weird stuff happens at this hotel. So anyway, we're probably lying in bed for a couple minutes, and all of a sudden we hear like this like thump. And it's oh, like, it, it sounds like something has fallen off the night t- nightstand and fell onto the floor. So, okay. like, we flick on the light. Like, I look at Steph. He looks at me. I'm going, man, like, why are you, you messing heard with that, me? Right? <laughs> and he's like, no, you're messing with me. I'm like, well, they're like a remote roll off the bed or like a pillow, anything. So, we get up and we, we look around the room and there's nothing. And we're both kind of like giggling at this point like this is crazy like what are we doing? What, what's the chances of this happening like why us right and so we couldn't really figure it out we're like okay this is insane so he gets up to use the bathroom and when he gets close to the door to the hallway it's like a 
I, I can't even describe or make a sound like it. It was like a, a demon growl. Stop. <laughs> outside the door. So his head kind of snapped back and looked at me, and he was like, you heard that, right? And <laughs> I was like, yeah, I heard it. Like, what was it? And he goes, I have no idea. So at this point, we're laughing, but we're we're scared. Yeah, like, you're trying to laugh through the terror. Yeah, like like this is a little insane. So... I we he gets back in bed and I'm going I'm not sleeping like this is <laughs> this is crazy like I'm I'm staying up and mind you we had a was it a game the next I think so yeah we must have anyway we uh, we laughed it off anyway turned the TV on and we put it on like a a timer so we're like okay at least the light will be on <laughs> there's some background noise we can fall asleep and it'll all be good. So, I fell asleep, and I wake up, so my eyes open up, and people have, people have told me, it's like, oh, what you're describing is the old hag. Yeah. Well, I've had the old hag before, oh, and this was different. Like, the year I had the old hag, I was it was my first year pro. My roommate was gone, so I was living by myself at that time, uh-huh. and I woke up, and I all the things were like the old hag. And yeah, it was yeah, the yeah. same as I jumped in the shower. If you don't know shower. what that is, Google it. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's not something you want to ever experience in your life. Anyway, so I, I knew what the old hag was. This was completely <laughs> different. So I opened up my eyes, and I couldn't – obviously, I couldn't see anything, but it was like somebody was kneeling on my chest, and they were trying to squeeze every bit of oxygen out of my lungs. What the hell? So I'm I'm – alert and i'm trying to speak but i can't i can't speak so i'm yelling for oh, that's the i'm worst. in my mind like i'm yelling i'm going like bonker bonker bon-, and nothing is coming out so i can't speak and i'm thinking like this is it this is how i die <laughs> and anyway after after like the fifth time of me trying to wake him up i finally like bonker and i look over and he's sitting up in his bed like not like lying down on his pillow he's sitting up straight in on bed. his phone or something like no, not not on his phone. Like he oh, he's was asleep. asleep. He was asleep, but sitting up on his. I thought you were trying bed. to say that he was just sitting up awake, and he, no, he, no, no, he no. was just like, "What the hell so are you doing?" He like it startles him, and he's like, "What's going on?" I was like, and I told him the whole thing, and he goes, "No way!" And then he's like, "Why am I sitting up in my bed?" What is going on? So then it was like he was like. We looked at the time, and he was like, "It was kind of like an eerie feeling before, like you could feel the like, it was almost like a." a breeze in our room kind of thing. And he said he fell asleep, like his head was on the pillow. Yeah. And when we looked at the time, like the timer on the TV would have been, the TV might have been shut off like five minutes. So right. everything happened when it was dark. dark. Oh, hell no. So <laughs> at this point, I'm freaking out. Like I am, like any I'm like, I'm not sleeping. I'm like, I'm packing my stuff. I text Trevor, who's in charge of like all of our hotels and our flights and everything, I text him at uh, it was like three thirty in the morning. And if you look it up, like ghost stories and everything, like everything happens at like three o'clock, like from three to four. Great. So I have myself freaked out. So I'm like, I message him. I go, I'm done. Like I'm you message not- him in the middle of the night because in the middle you had of a night. ghost experience. Three, it was three thirty something. I'll have to pull up the email sometime Please and actually do. and show it to you, <laughs> and you'll get a good laugh at it. But I text him and I said, Hey, listen, like. I'm out of here. This is going like, to sound crazy. I just I, had a bad I was night. like, I just got pinned to my bed by a ghost. I'm done. <laughs> I'm not staying here. 
I almost packed up my bags and just Sleep left the, the hotel. Bus. I was like, you know what? Like, what's the worst that could happen? I'll walk around. I'll find somewhere to just hang out, and that's it. Like, you I didn't can't... do that though. No. So I sat up, and 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 Blanca was there, and he's. We're both kind of laughing because it sounds crazy, yeah. but I was like, I. This happened. This happened. I'm like, <laughs> I'm never staying here again. So, anyway, we stay up. He kind of falls back to sleep. I'm like, I'm not going back to sleep. Like, <laughs> Who could forget, sleep? Forget this. So, it was, uh, it was a long night. I got up in the morning and I started telling the boys. And I had to tell. There'd be like groups come down to breakfast. And then I'd tell one person. And then as soon as the next group would come down, I'd have to tell the story again. And then Trevor came to me and goes, what was your email about last night? So oh it was a big going on of of all that. And Anyway, the next time we were going back to Adirondack, we were in Reading. So Chloe had just come back from when he took his the first time. absence. Yeah, yeah, his first absence. So... I'm going, I'm not staying in this hotel. Like, we're going back to Adirondack. I said, I'm not staying in this hotel. I'm getting hotel. out ahead of this. I am not and staying I, here. And I told Trev, and I, like, talked to Snowy would have been the assistant coach at the time. I told him, and they were laughing. They're like, you're out of your mind. Like, all the boys are going, like, this ain't true. And I'm like, I don't care if you believe me or not. I'm not staying <laughs> this in this happened, hotel. Man. So they're like, okay, go talk to Chloe. <laughs> so <laughs> I walk into the coach's room, and Chloe kind of looks at me. He's like, are you serious? Like, what? you need something? And I'm like, yeah. Like, so I had to tell, Oh my this, God. This man, so this man, man of a man. Oh, a man's man. A man's sure. man. That is one of the most intimidating people in all of hockey that I've met. I had to tell him that a ghost <laughs> took me over <laughs> and tried to push the wind out of my body. <laughs> what was and, I, and I told him, I'm like, listen, I don't care. I'm not, I'm just not staying there. I said, I'll be back for the meals. I'm not going to miss anything. Like, I'll Uber. I'm fine. Like, I'm not staying oh my here. God. So I ended up, he's like, well, like, whatever you need to do. And I told him, I said, listen, you can tell me that I'm not allowed to do it. I'm just not staying at that hotel. I said, I'll just go stay somewhere else. Whether you like it or not, I'm not going back. Oh, my God. And uh, he was like, yeah, all right, that's whatever, fine. Man. He goes, just. Don't tell anybody that you're staying in a different place because he doesn't want me to freak out the other boys, of course. right? So I ended up booking a couple nights at the Holiday Inn You Express. actually did? I, on my own dime, I said, I'm done. I'm not staying there. I booked my own hotel. Stop. I, I don't remember that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Maybe you kept it a little to yeah, yourself. Yeah, kept it pretty low-key. But I stayed at the Holiday Inn Express by myself. It was like a seven or eight minute drive from the hotel Get and out. uh yeah i and i i told trevor when i signed <laughs> i said in my contract like i ain't staying at that hotel when we go play there this year seriously and, and we had a good chuckle about it are you so. saying that because how how we get to laugh about it now or are you saying that because no no i'm no, serious, serious. I'm I'm not, we're not going back to, i'm not going back there no chance wow i didn't know the Pandora's box I was opening by asking you this question. Yeah. Do I have to apologize for asking this to you now? No. That's but, crazy. But if something ends up happening to me tonight, oh, it's, it's on me now. The blood is on your hands. Okay, great. Uh, pranks was another thing uh, Aiden Foley asked about. There's one I'm going to hone right in on. I'm not even going to let you talk about anything else than this. I, I let it leak a little bit in social in the guys in the room that Mar early last season, Marcus Powers' dress socks, from my understanding, his street socks continued to go missing. 
And people thought it was funny because I put out a video. Marcus was like, boys, my socks kept going. And I would like to, from my understanding, and I've been around this team, you know, obviously as long as yourself, there, there seems to be a couple of people who are behind on a routine and regular basis, a couple of bodies in charge of shenanigans, it seems. I'm not pointing any fingers at all. Uh, but I think I'm, I'm talking to, to a source uh, of information here. Can you, without, you know what, you can incriminate yourself, you can tell the whole story, you can tell a part of the story. Can you at least, for the sake of, of Aiden Foley and the fans who have been waiting, give us an update on the, the sock bandit, please? Yeah, so... <laughs> Or you can clear I'm, up if I have some misinformation in there, too. I don't know how much So no I matter know. what happens, I always get blamed. I'm always the that one that gets blamed for anything that happens in the dressing room or on the road or anything in regards to funny stuff. It's, oh, it's, it's Miller. always Mellor. Like, what are you doing? Anyway, I it wasn't me. So I'll go out and I'll say that right off the bat. But anyway, it started, I think we were on the road. And one of Marcus's socks went missing. To I had no understanding of it. Okay. It was kind of, it happened. And then he thought it was me that stole his sock. But I didn't have it. And then the next day, his sock got stolen again. And somebody had taken mine as well. Ooh. So I thought it was Marcus stealing, Getting- like, Trying to be funny. So sure. I, I left the rink one sock. Marcus ended up going to Kachi, our equipment manager, and getting like a, a hockey sock and, <laughs> and wearing it out of the dressing room. So I'm looking going, I got one sock on. Whoever's doing this is either Marcus or somebody's trying somebody's to frame. Somebody's caught on to this. Here. You know what I mean? So from there, it kind of just snowballed like every day we would come in and marcus would be losing his mind where it was like his one of his socks was gone and it went on for an ex- it had to be a while that's why i'm it bringing had to it be up like a month it was over a month for sure where every day <laughs> that's excellent one of his socks would go missing and what was his reaction every time like he, he i was think just, he was by just the like end, he just defeated like i but it's kind of stupidity if somebody was going to steal one of my socks every day. I just wouldn't wear socks to the rink. Right? Oh, my God. So, uh, like, when he was doing laundry, it must have just been a na- nightmare because he was just, just had a, a ton of... Just a sea of single yeah, socks. single socks. Um, That's so funny. But, yeah, it went on for a while. And then one day, I guess, all of his socks or whatever the culprit could find... All of them showed back up? Showed back up in his stall. So no. it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was probably like a month and a half and I got blamed every day, but he would see me like he would, he would scope down on me <laughs> all the time to see where I was going. And he would always say to me, he's like, well, like I, I hid my socks and they're still gone. Like how, whoever's doing it, like, I don't know who it was. I, th- I personally think it was Brad's just Ooh. because he had like a little bit of a smirk on him and like, you know what Brad's uh-huh. is like and I think it was it had to be him because no matter what, Marcus thought it was gonna be mere parts. Because I'm 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 not gonna I'm gonna be honest, yes, majority stuff was us. <laughs> the majority stuff was us, yeah. But this wasn't and I'm kinda mad because it was a good Ooh. So I'm asking you about a prank you didn't even do. Yeah. I wish I did. Damn. And then, he sta- and then he started to get mad at me, and I told him, I said, listen, if I did it, I'd, I'd be proud of myself. But That's a darn good one. 
I've got one I, I can even share. I don't know how much, if you had been privy to this one. I think this was during the playoffs when we were in Brampton. And I had left my gear. I, I know who did it now, so I don't mind sharing the story. So I, I carry well, it. Before you start, who did you think did it? Because I, I, you thought it was me. But look, I'm not. I'm not trying to say. But yeah, look. I mean, the, your reputation precedes you, dude. Like it, I thought it was between you and Pards, but initially, let me get into it. My, I carry like a big. It's almost like a toolbox with all of my gear, my broadcast equipment, my headsets, my con- console thing here. So we, we were in Brampton for games three through five of the first round, and I, I used to work for Brampton, so I know a few people there. My case and everything inside it was covered in Brampton Beast stickers. Which, so, led me to believe that it was someone Beast-related, some one of my buddies who was working in the front office, who was like, oh, that's Ballard's gear? Sweet. Let me just sticker the hell out of this thing. So, and me, I'm like, this is the playoffs. This is so unprofessional. This is ridiculous. Like, obviously I'm like, I'm just stressed. I'm everything. I was anxious leading up to everything going on. And I went ham trying. I freaked out at a few people I knew in the Brampton office. I was like, (laughs) give me a break. Your stickers. This is expensive equipment. Nothing got ruined. I was hamming it up a little bit even i'm like my i now have to buy goo gone to get the remnants off i was pissed and it turns out it was just kachi all along he went into <laughs> brampton's room our equipment manager kachi he went into brampton's room he was like hey man because i'm tight with their equipment staff too as he would be so he was like hey stick cm gonna like mess with Ballard, do you have like a bunch of stickers or something? And he was like, oh, you're messing with Ballard? Sweet. And just loaded him up apparently with stickers. And I'm still finding these friggin' things. Like I got one on the bottom of this deck right now because I found it late. So that's my prank. But I mean, coming full circle, it's all good fun. It helps keep guys loose. Uh, and I, I like it. I don't even mind if I'm the butt of it. I thought that was great. I, do, do you feel the same way? Do, do yeah, pranks no, have a place in the game? Yes, I think so. It keeps things light because throughout a season, uh, there's tense especially times. With the travel. And, and especially, like, there's a lot of different personalities, and sometimes you want to be able to let people out of their shell, too. So, you know, it's not harassing by any means. It's no, just, it's good it's, nature. It's, it's good nature. It's nothing that gets taken too far or anything like that. Um, so it's all in good fun and I, it just lightens things up. Like everything is so serious for a lot of the time. Like if, when we're on the ice, everything is serious. When we're playing games, it's serious. Workouts are serious. So anytime you get to just blow off of the steam, it's, uh, it's good. And uh, one more prank that's actually hilarious and it, it almost Blew up to the point where there was almost a brawl and warm up. This is funny. What? You, I don't know. I don't if know if I know this one. Let's so go. We were in Orlando, and we were out for warm up, and we were skating around, whatever, doing our warm up. And I look at the red line, and Matt Bradley's at the red line. Or no, no, before this all happened. So we're we're skating around, and we look at at Brad's, and he has. I'm not sure if it said Matt or Matthew on the front of his helmet. Like when you're a kid. like Yeah, they the, put the big sticker the, right on so, the front. So, so the pe- hockey camp instructors know who the know, heck you are. Yeah, so they know your name. So <laughs> we go out. It's it's a game in the middle of the season. We're thinking like, okay, 
why does Brad <laughs> have his first name on the front of his helmet? But we're all laughing. Like, we think it's hilarious. This is um, in-game? This No, so this is in warm-up. Okay. And anyway, we're all giggling and stuff, and the boys are going around like, hey, have a look at Brad's helmet. Like, did you do it? And I'm like, no, but that's hilarious. Like, <laughs> this is priceless. Anyway, we're doing, like, our breakout, so everybody's kind of up close to the red line between the red and the blue, and I look over... And there's like three of their Orlando's players, and they're kind of like poking at Brad's helmet. And I'm thinking, like, what's going on? What is going on? And he doesn't understand. And I'm thinking, he doesn't like, know this he helmet's d- on. He has no idea. Okay. So I go over, and I'm thinking, like, what? What's on the go? And and one of the guys is like looking at Brad's, going, "You." Come here right now. Come here. And I'm thinking like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't whoa, touch whoa. him. Like, what are, what are you talking about? And then he's like looking at Brad's and he's like got his glove out of his hand or uh, his glove. Yeah. Hand out of his glove. Yeah, yeah. We got you. You know what I meant. Yep. Um, and he's reaching for Brad's helmet. And I'm thinking, what the hell? And he's going, come here, you idiot. You got your name on your helmet. And Brad's is going, what do you mean? And he's <laughs> like, this guy's trying to grab him. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, he's like, no, dummy. You have you're, a, you're an idiot. And he like comes over and he like grabs it and he like rips it off. He's like, why do you have your name on your helmet? Like, what are you doing? You rookie. And it like slapped him back in the helmet. So then no. at this point I'm like, okay, I just thought there was going to be a full on brawl and warm up. Oh my God. And Brad is going around. Like he didn't know what was going on. He <laughs> thought he was probably going to get jumped or something. And we got a good chuckle out of it. We got back to the room, and we couldn't figure it out. And it ended up being Pards came out and said it after that he didn't play that game, but we didn't morning skate. The whole team didn't morning skate that morning, but the players that didn't play did. Uh, So he thought, or it was like the day before. So he had put it on the day before. We didn't skate that morning. So it had been on for a while. Like, he would have never did it if he knew, like, we weren't going to skate. So right. he just, And then he just forgot about it. So he said, like, That's he so came good. out and seen that Brad's had in warm-up for a game, Matthew across the Oh, I got to find pictures of that. I bet it, you it's probably on the game tape, eh? uh, him buzzing around in warm-up. It was, it was so funny. Like, we laughed about that. it so hard. And then throughout the season, we would always see if we could get guys – there was always you put something funny on somebody's forehead and they go around all practice. We never really did it for games because it was never like, no was, game time is game, game time. time is game time. But we would do it for practices and stuff. We got Todd a couple times just because he was an easy target. Yeah, I get that. Um, but other than that, yeah, that was one of the funniest things I think I've seen in regards to pranks and stuff because it, it could have blown oh up. We thought God. it was going to be a brawl, and it <laughs> ended up being Brad's first name on his helmet. Oh, that's so good. Ooh, so that was our first question in the Q&A. Thank you, Aiden Foley, for that. Uh, I don't think the rest will be so long. We'll have to squeeze a few more of these uh, prank stories out of you, maybe on a different episode. Dean Cutler asks uh, about favorite pregame meals and any superstitions. I'm going to flip this question, actually. Do, do you have you now grown to hate the standard athlete pregame meal of which I assume to be pasta or rice with some salad and uh, a chicken breast. How far off am I? Yeah. Pasta and chicken is just the most. How many chicken breasts do you think you've eaten in your whole life? It's got to be like 50,000 or something, right? Yeah. A whole lot of chickens. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got to think like ever since I moved away when I was 14, literally before every game you would have, that pasta with the chicken and 
I think it was the year when I played in Wheeling that we went to the finals that we ended up playing like ninety or close to close to a hundred games and it was every game and I was I said to myself, I said, I might never ever eat this meal ever again. Like you get so disgusted with it. You'd sit down for a pregame meal and it was just like you'd have to force it in your body yeah. just because it was like, I hate this right now. I get it. So now for me it's I chicken pasta, no, if I'm at home, if we're on the road I can Deal. make it happen. But at home I will there's no chance. There's no chance I'm cooking pasta at all. So what's on the menu then at home? It depends. I'll do like sweet potato or rice. I I usually stick with chicken breast, but I'll You can gussy it up a bit at yeah, home. Yeah, it's not it's not at home you can make it better. Like on the road and stuff you're getting just well, Plain if you if, if you're make, if you're making it for 30 35 people the the quality of it drops significantly it's not going to be good it's usually that's not a knock against any caterer that is just the fact of the fact of the matter yes it's a lot of food for players so the quality always isn't the best um so it always ends up tasting like it's boiled chicken yep which is disgusting so for me yeah like anything like i'm not too picky now anymore like i used to be like if i played good i had to eat the same thing or like i was so a little superstition yeah, tied into your meal. Yeah, like I, if I play good, I would try to do all the same things. And I'm, I'm a little bit similar now, but not to the same extent. But now it's just like if I, I eat healthy no matter what. Right. Um. So I'll usually, if I have leftovers, bonus. Like I'll probably eat that for my pregame. Um. But if not, it'll just be some rice, some vegetables, and. Uh, Maybe some sort of protein. Probably try to stick away from like steak and stuff just because it's a little bit heavier. It's, it's but, definitely heavier. But uh, yeah. yeah, there you go. Now, are you one of the – I've noticed very quickly in the different realms of hockey in which I've worked, most hockey players seem obsessed with Chipotle, especially on the road. Are you among that crew that you would say, yes, I'm a Chipotle addict? For those of you outside the province, Chipotle is simply a burrito chain, but it's very good. Yeah, it's good. I I used to like it a lot, and then I found out. Well, I didn't. I don't exactly know for sure if I am, but I think I'm allergic to avocado. It just really oh, snap. I would always get guacamole on my burritos sure. or bowls. So whenever I would eat it, it always came. So Chipotle for me was always tainted associated to the point with, with like that gut rot, that, that like pain. And the only way I can describe it is a softball with nails through it. And it'd be like swallowing it and then get it to the middle of your chest and then going right back up to your throat oh again and then coming back down for like two hours. So Chipotle was always that feeling for me. Right. And then I kind of figured out that, okay, it's avocado that's doing it. And I kind of slowly got back into it a bit. Now, I wouldn't say I would go out of my way to go sure. get Chipotle like some of the guys do. Yeah, like, some of the guys are like, stop the bus, we're next to a Chipotle. Yeah, like guys quiver, like they're, they start I to shake when they I get around I love Chipotle, there. but it's I'm good, not like but it's, nuts over it. No, no, no. Like it's good, but if you're like, I don't know. It's, I feel like it's, it's the all subway right, of this generation. Yeah, it's but, just easy, it's not unhealthy. But if you go to like... Mustang Sally's, for instance, here in town, like yep. that is ten times better than what you can get sure at Chipotle. It is. So yeah. that for me is like shout out to Mustang Sally. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> give me a sponsorship yeah, right? or something. <laughs> we are looking for podcast yeah. sponsors, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I don't know. A lot of guys are crazy about it, but me not so much. I okay. enjoy it, but 
not the be all and end all. No, not at all. Do you have like a cheat day meal that you just like you're a Big Mac guy or you, you know what I mean? Like, do you have like, is it a Big Mary or something? Big Mary's <laughs> unbelievable. Big Mary taters, small gravy, birch beer. Birch beer. You're going full new f- birch beer. And that's so I enjoy them from maybe a little more than I should. So, yeah, Mary Brown's or every now and then when I'm feeling like I want to get a really a good feed in you. A good feed Keats. Now that leads perfectly into our next segment, which I'm going to do right now. The Growlerville segment. Uh, This week we are going to obviously focus on, since we have James here, uh, the great community of the Goulds. Is it Goulds or the Goulds? Where where do we land on that? I think it's the Goulds. Oh, my apologies. So the Goulds indeed. So really, uh, James, obviously it's it's outside of St. John's. It's a part of St. John's. Just in in general, give me your Reader's Digest. Sum up the Goulds for us. The Goulds. Uh, Well, for... (laughs) For people outside of the ghouls, it's all probably everybody says, oh, I'll never go there. But for somebody growing up, it was it was always awesome because I always lived close to my buddies. So we all grew up. And and when you're around the city and stuff, everything's a lot more populated. I think the, the ghouls is like anywhere from 12 to 16,000 maybe. Okay. So it's not completely small, but... Yeah, it was it was a great place to grow up. Like we had everything that I needed. For sure. It's not like everybody thinks it is. Like you're completely isolated from everything. Like no, from my house sure. to the mall, one is twelve minutes. So like. Right. You're not far from everything, but everybody goes, "Oh, the ghouls! You must be like forty minutes away from everything." No. Which isn't true, but um, for me, it was it was awesome. I like growing up. I always had like ATVs and dirt bikes and skidoos Sweet. in the winter. So. It was it was awesome. I could leave from my house, and there was all kinds of dirt roads and stuff like that that me and my buddies would go and ride. And even when I was younger, like going out on pedal bikes and stuff, we would always build like dirt jumps and and Sick. stuff. Which, I mean, in the city you still see a little bit, but today um, you don't. Man. Today today you don't because everything is technology. Um, go outside and play, boys. Tell your kids. I know, and we didn't like. It wasn't cell phones or anything. It was called like landlines or. Yeah. Try to figure out where your buddies were, and it, everything was kind of just, just run across the street and knock on the door. Knock on the door, or it was like, "Hey, we're going out on our bikes. Like we're meeting here right after school." So it was like you go you in, you throw your book bag in the house, grab your bike, and you scream at mom, tell her you you'll be home for supper, and yeah, and then you were gone. Yeah, and a lot of the times it was your parents trying to run around to see where you were <laughs> to haul you home for dinner, and it was awesome. I I lived there. Until I was 14 when I first moved away, but it's a special place for me. I I bought a home there. Like all my buddies still live in the Gould, so we all live really really close. So you and to your each buddies other. who you grew up with, all not all, but there's not some all, of you who still live in the Gould. Yeah, yeah, we That's all bought awesome. we all bought houses uh, in the Gould. So, Get out. Um, it's one of those things. Like if you're if you're not from the Gould, it's hard to understand like all about it. The but Goulds, yeah. it's uh. It's awesome. I I I love it. It's it's low key. You're more 
not so much that city life, but at the For same sure. time, you're still close enough to everywhere where it's not an inconvenience to, to get anywhere. No, for sure. No, just outside Mount Pearl, it shares a lot. Of, I know with like the harbor and the cove too. Am I wrong in that? Mm-hmm. Petty Harbor, Maddox Cove. Because I know a buddy of mine used to play softball. He used to live in the ghouls and used to play softball with the crowd in the cove. Yep. So that, that that's I'm just trying to set it up geographically here. Yeah. That's all kind of one Mm-hmm. We'll say, what was it like playing hockey in the ghouls? I remember I used to play for the St. John's Caps, having to play every couple weeks. Had a game against the Pacers out in yep. the Goulds Arena. I loved it because that was the only place when I played like Adam All-Star or whatever. The Goulds Arena had music between play and they had a goal horn at that time. <laughs> I, that was what I loved about going to the Goulds uh, to play. But obviously you grew up and I can only assume played your youngest days of hockey out in the Goulds. What, talk about the Goulds as a hockey community. Yeah, um, in regards to hockey, when I was coming up through, we, we always had a, like an, a nucleus of pretty pretty good players where we were competitive but we didn't have the numbers like you know avalon celtics or sure. the caps or cbs would have so it was tough for us to compete com- completely but we still had some good players um i still to this day and anybody that hears me will probably laugh but i still think that ghouls has the best sheet of ice in the city really yep yep so remember, that's a cold uh, rink. It's cold. But that makes is, good ice, it though. It is really cold. Um, they finally, a few years back, put a warm room up there, which Ooh. was much needed. And it's, uh, yeah, it, I, I enjoyed my time. And then um, I think one year we didn't have enough players to to try out. So us and Northeast combined. So we were combines was our team. <laughs> which is pretty funny. That and is funny. Uh, ended up making some good <clears throat> friends. Uh from that team and still keep in contact. And I think one of them is he just got married, uh, that played on that team. He was from Torbay and going to end up going to his wedding, uh, in October sometime. If, That's wild. If our schedule, uh, agrees. With of that. course. Yeah. Yes. The big, big if yeah. uh, in this, in this business, obviously the, what, what I think of when I think of the Goulds is, I mean, you mentioned Keith's diner an institution. T- tell me about it. What what's your I now I'm going to preface this by saying I don't actually think I've ever eaten there, but I've that's all I hear about the Goulds. It's bid goods. It's it's uh, the smell when you enter the Goulds. Sorry, that yeah. sticks with the Goulds. But yeah. I love the Goulds. Don't get me wrong. I <laughs> that, was at bid goods like smell of home. last week. But no, you're right. Yeah. It's that outdoorsy. It's home. It's yep. uh, you know that's that's kind of what I remember about the Goulds. But why in your why? The Ghouls rules. That's the saying. Ghouls rules. You said it during the parade when you got the mic. I think it, it's we make graphics that say that, showing you when you hit guys and score and stuff. What? Why does the Ghouls rule? Um, <laughs> I think it it all goes back to everybody used to say it like back in the day, and then the junior high, yeah, St. Kevin's Junior High had an extension onto it, and it burnt down. I don't know how many years ago. I was only young, but the only piece that was kind of left from the building was a doorway that was brick, and on the side of it, it had ghouls rules on it. No way. So there's there's a picture out there somewhere of it, but that's kind of my first memory of, like, ghouls rules, and then yeah. everybody that's from the ghouls is super proud of being from there. Absolutely. Like, you'll never meet somebody from the ghouls saying, ah, oh, this place is trash. Like, everybody no. loves it, even if they don't love it they say they love it sure like, yeah 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 and it's it's just kind of all those things like just everybody being so close to each other the smell which I didn't is funny that. because 
Yeah, no, it's not a bad thing at no, all. No, it's not. Because for me, it was whenever I would come home at, at the end of seasons and stuff, and you'd smell the Oh, the my cow. God. Like, it would just fill you with, with... I'm like, oh, I'm home, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And I live... So my house right now is an extension of one of the roads that has a dirt road on it, and... Uh, we always get the honey wagons coming up through. So anybody that doesn't know what a honey wagon is, is the tractor pulls this big <sighs> container around that's full of cow, you know what, and uh, they bring it out on the fields. Why is spread. it called the honey wagon? But that's what that's. I get it. That's, I, yeah, if that's I don't what know. That's, called, that's what I, it's called. No from, questions from, asked. Yeah. So honey wagon. So every time, like, I love it. You you drive up my road. Sometimes it's just like cow manure, just splattered all over because they fill up the tanks and sometimes it flops over the side or like there's some spraying off and oh my god it's uh now that i moved home it's this summer they were they were spreading f- fairly frequently hey but that's it farming but a lot of farms a lot of farming, really what it comes so, down to so you don't you don't keep your windows open ever because you don't want your house to the smell um but yeah no, the, that's. I'm just trying the, to paint a picture yeah, of the, the golds for the, people, and it's uh, for people that have never been. It's not like it smells like that no. all the time. It's when, Bosh, whenever, when you have a town that's got some farms, and it that's yeah, a, th- a byproduct of that I'm, of I'm being a wonderful to think town. How many farms there are? There's one right behind my house. Like, there's probably like are we farm counting five right to now? seven, maybe. Great, right? That's like, awesome. So, no yeah. qualms at all. No, I didn't mean to be like, oh yeah, Miller, it stinks going into the gold. Everybody knows no. it, but it's just yeah, yeah. No, I didn't take it that way. No, okay. It's, and anybody that says it, I laugh because everybody's like, ah, it's disgusting, and everybody from the ghouls goes, ah, it's awesome. Like you know, you're home. It's definitely a, yeah. a fine line to be drawn and I, in the sand. And I always, there. I always mess with people that like live in Kilbride or Mount Pearl, and I'm like, oh, you better watch out if the wind doesn't turn. Like you guys <laughs> might get a smell of it too. <laughs> so if only they could be so lucky. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. That is our Growlerville feature for our opening week podcast, where we're going to shine some light on some of the, the great hockey communities. Actually, before I, I abandon that, I think I got it, should give an opportunity, obviously, uh, having played hockey, any particular coaches uh, uh, or mentors, I guess, hockey uh, in the goals for you growing up? I, I, I'll ask that first. Yeah. I mean, um, I think probably the, the biggest influences were obviously my parents number one and two well both number one i shouldn't say one or two because that <laughs> can't could get, rank that, your parents yeah that could get me in some hot water um but uh, i mean i grew up and i would always go to extreme hockey camps with randy Piercy and andrew mckim and um they were always super super good to me they always gave me a lot of ice time to, to work on my skills and I always did the the power skating and all the summer camps and the travel teams yeah, yeah. and stuff like that so um, they were two pretty influential people that, that helped me out. Um, and then when I was looking to move away, uh, Andrew McKim was actually the first person that kind of came to me and said, Hey, listen, like, if you want to be serious about, you know, taking your game to the next level, like it might be a good opportunity for you to, to potentially move away. And when I went to Notre Dame, he actually uh, came out for a spring camp with me, Get and my, out. with me and my dad, and he was kind of my first kind of, I guess you you would say, like family advisor before I actually got an agent. So, yeah, um, he helped me out a, a lot, and um, two of those guys were were extremely good to me. Absolutely. 
All right, as much as I don't want this to end right now, it's been an awesome uh, chat. Uh, James, thank you so much for your time uh, and jumping in on everything with me here today. Uh, really do appreciate it and uh, can't wait to, to get it all started out here again. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to opening night and uh, hopefully a sold-out barn here at Mall 1. It's uh, it's another. It's going to be another exciting season, and I know uh, all the guys that are potentially coming back are excited to get back and um, get things rolling. Can't wait myself. I, I've all already got the board polished up. All the broadcast gear is ready to go. Keep your eyes peeled, folks, on the Growlers' social media channels in the coming days and weeks uh, for uh, more stuff uh, leading into the upcoming season. Uh, make sure to follow me at Growlers Ballard on Twitter. You want to plug your social, James? Do you want people following you, or we can yeah, cut this matter. out? Mine's uh, at Miller43 on pretty much everything. I do believe my Twitter and my Instagram is that, so... Um, Here you go. Give the captain a follow. James Melindy. I'm Chris Ballard, play-by-play -play voice of the Newfoundland Growlers. Thank you all again so much for joining us. Let us know uh, if you liked this podcast via social media. We want to make this as entertaining and as awesome for you folks as possible. And uh, I know we're only one episode in, but I guess I can promote, you know, is it like, comment, and subscribe, all those things. Rate us if you like it. I don't even know where this podcast lives yet, but already I'm trying to uh, make sure that you guys uh, support us so we can support you. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Growlers Nation podcast with Chris Ballard. Follow the Growlers all season long on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NL Growlers. Listen live to all 72 Growlers games on Mixler. M-I-X-L-R dot com slash NL Growlers.